The Story of the Alphabet by Otto F. Edge. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Wayne Cook. Do you know your ABCs? Each letter character has a history and a reason for its present form. Have you ever questioned the origin and significance of the alphabet? Our transition from barbarism to civilization can be attributed to the alphabet. Those great prehistoric discoveries and inventions such as making of a fire, the use of tools, the wheel and the axle, and even our modern marvelous applications of steam and electricity pale into insignificance when compared with the power of the alphabet. Simple as it now appears after the accustomed use of ages, it can be accounted not only the most difficult, but the most fruitful of all the achievements of the human intellect. Man lived by bread alone, and without the alphabet, untold ages, and with a practical alphabetic system, not more than three thousand years. So important and wonderful was this step deemed by those who lived nearer the time of its inception, in the time before the wonder of its extraordinary powers had been blunted by long possession and common use, that its invention, as well as that of writing, was invariably attributed to divine origin. Modern investigation always seeks sources other than mythological ones, and thus the science of ancient handwriting, paleography, came into existence. In the last hundred and twenty-five years, the writing of the ancient Egyptians, which was a sealed book for nearly twenty centuries, has been deciphered through the efforts of Champollion and Young. The mysterious cuneiform characters of ancient Assyria and Babylon have been interpreted by Grotefend and Rollison, and the missing link to connect our present alphabetic system to these ancient ones is being partly completed by Sir Arthur Evans, who is compiling and analyzing Cretan characters, and pre-Phoenician writing. The story, however, will probably never be told in its entirety. The forms of our letters, with the exception of G, J, U, and W, reached their full development two thousand years ago. The Roman letter was the parent of all the styles, notwithstanding the diversity that has appeared in Europe since the beginning of the Christian era. With a little imagination, it is not difficult to note the resemblance between similar letters of the old Roman capitals and those following which have been designated as script, italic, Old English, or black letter, versal, unical, and an endless list of alphabet families. The desire for speed and the influence of the tool, pen, reed, chisel, brush, were the determining factors in the change of form. Curiously enough, instead of being archaic, the Roman alphabet, which is now two thousand years old, is still the most useful because of its legibility, and also the most beautiful. We derived twenty-three of our letters from the Romans. They had taken probably eighteen of these from the Greeks about the fourth century B.C., and afterwards borrowed elsewhere or invented seven more. Instead of giving them names, as the Greeks did, they simply called them by the sounds for which they stood. A, A, B, pronounced Bay. They introduced the curve whenever possible, whereas the early Greek letters were all angular. What an interesting analogy is evident in the architecture of these two peoples. 
the temple pediment and angularity of the greeks as contrasted with the dome and arch of the romans the greeks in their contact with the great traders and yankees of ancient time the phoenicians saw the value of their alphabetic writing and inaugurated its use about the time of the first olympiad seven seventy six b c three or four centuries before they gave it to the romans the ancient greeks found use for fifteen of the phoenician letters and then conceived enough to round out an alphabet of twenty-four characters the changes that took place in the shape of their letters can be attributed to their sense of order the letters are balanced better and the parts better related the greeks were interested in the sound value only not in the picture value of the symbol and therefore they probably did not notice that a for instance had ever been a picture of the head of an ox and that it was now drawn upside down and that the phoenician name alf meant ox and that they mispronounced the sound in calling it alpha the romans borrowed from the greeks and the greeks borrowed from the phoenicians but where did the phoenicians obtain their letters did they invent them to what extent were these letters influenced by earlier systems of writing as those employed by the cretan assyrian and egyptian civilizations these are questions that probably will never be answered satisfactorily many arguments and theories are advanced we can however trace back with certainty a number of our letters to the phoenician alphabet of one thousand b c beyond this all is at present a matter of conjecture the phoenician alphabet consisted of twenty-two pictures of familiar objects these pictures were rudely and simply made for writers and readers soon recognized the fundamental characteristics and all unnecessary details were eliminated the great advance that can be credited to them is that they realized that a small number of sound expressing characters if well selected are sufficient to express any word other races at this period had phonetic systems but they consisted of numerous symbols and cumbersome appendages of non-alphabetic characters eye pictures side by side with ear pictures no doubt early phoenician writing passed through the stages of development traceable in so many countries one the pictures or characters suggesting the thing or incident picture writing two the pictures or characters symbolizing the thing or idea ideographic or symbolic writing three the pictures or characters representing the sound of the thing or idea phonograms and four the signs suggesting the various sounds of the language alphabetic system to free this last stage from the others was the great phoenician contribution a why is a the first letter it represents one of the commonest vowel sounds in ancient languages naturally the phoenician alphabet makers selected a familiar object in the name of which this particular vowel sound was emphasized since food is of primal importance it is not surprising to find that he chose the ox olive or rather the head of the ox for the characteristics of animals are chiefly embodied in the head not only was the ox important as food but also as a beast of burden for the ox had been harnessed to the plough centuries before the horse was domesticated thus one of the earliest and most important of man's friends among the brute creatures was honored in making this letter repeatedly and rapidly they became careless 
and instead of crossing the letter V, they tried to make it with one continuous scratching. Hence, when the Greeks became acquainted with it, three to five centuries after its invention, the picture had deteriorated almost beyond recognition. They introduced balance, and the V was inverted, and the crossbar was retained between the lines. Unknowingly, they were drawing the ox head upside down, and it remains so with us to this day. The Greeks called the first letter Alpha. The Romans called it A, and we call it A, a sound it never possessed in Latin. B. The second letter of the alphabet represents a crude house, roughly outlined. After food, shelter is an important consideration, and this fact was expressed by the early alphabet maker. The Greeks, again, were ignorant of the picture, and careless or indifferent as to the exact name of the character, and thus two triangles, instead of the square supporting a triangle, were made, and the name changed from Beth to Beta. Combine the Greek names with the first two letters, and we have Alpha Beta, Alphabet. The Romans shortened the name Beta, calling it Bay, and introduced the curved loops. The original name is familiar to us through names found in the scriptures, Bethel, House of God, and Bethlehem, House of Bread. C and G. The ship of the desert, the camel, gave its name to the third letter. Our name for this animal is traceable back to the Phoenician gemel or gamel. The long neck and the peculiar angle of the neck in relation to the head could easily be represented. The Greeks made changes similar to those in other letters. They improved the shape and changed the name to gamma. The Romans did not forget the curve and gave it both the hard and soft sounds, k and gay. Later on, about the 3rd century A.D., to distinguish the g sound from the k sound, they added a little bar below the opening. Thus we get both C and G from the picture of the camel. Stevenson said that when he was a child, the capital G always impressed him as a jenny swooping down to drink out of a handsome cup. Kipling's story of the invention of the alphabet is filled with similar delightful stories of the picture origin of letter forms. D. The next letter, D, came from a representation of a door, Daleth. It probably pictures the door of a tent. A custom that prevails among the Arabs and in a number of countries gave particular importance to the door of a tent. A stranger or even an enemy if he entered through the door of a tent, must receive food, drink, and shelter. Daleth became Delta with the Greeks and Day with the Romans, who, of course, rounded the angle. E. The house picture gave us B, the door D, and the window E. Hay meant to look, to see, or window, and one writer asserts our familiar street cry, Hey there! can be traced to these ancient times. One sidebar of the window was lost early. The Greeks at first used this sound for the long E, epsilon, but afterwards employed the character H, or eta, for the long sound. The Romans at first made no change except to call it E. This is the letter that occurs so frequently in English words, and many, no doubt, 
recall the interesting use that Poe makes of this fact in his story, The Gold Bug. F. Our letter order does not agree with that of the Phoenicians or the early Greeks. Our sixth letter, F, is missing in Classical Greek, but it is found in earlier writings. It comes from a Phoenician representation of a hook, or nail, vow. The Hebrew form resembles the latter object. The nail was important in shipbuilding, a common industry of the early traders. When the Greeks used this letter, they called it dagamma, double gamma, and its form represented one gamma, Greek C, superimposed over the other. The Romans called it F, and during the reign of Emperor Claudius, the consonant V was represented by the F inverted. This was done because the Latin alphabet had but one character to represent U and V. Octavia became Octavia, spelled with an inverted F. H. Two fence posts and three horizontal boards gave us our eighth letter, H. The fence was called Haith. The Greeks omitted the upper and lower boards, thus making it like our H, and called it Eta. The Romans gave it a soft sound, ha, just as we do today, I and J. The parts of the human body also played an important part in giving form to the letters of the alphabet. The early peoples recognized the value of the hand and the head, and these members gave rise to the letters I and K and Q and R, respectively. The hand in profile, bent at the knuckles and wrist, gives us the character Yod, the hand, as used by the Phoenicians. The Greeks, who always liked to have their words end in vowels, added A and called it Eota. When the Romans received it, it was simply a vertical stroke, E, which represented the same long E sound as it did with the Greeks, but later they used it both as a consonant and vowel, differentiating the consonant by making the letter I longer. J. But they did not give a distinct letter form for the capital J until the 16th century. The small j came into being nearly a century later. The dot over the I was first introduced in the 13th century manuscript. K. The silhouette of the open hand, with its radiating lines, discloses the origin of the letter K, kaf, which signified hollow or palm. We know that palmistry was practiced by the ancients, and probably the association of reading the hand and writing influenced the inclusion of this character. The Greeks added their favorite vowel sound, ah, again, and thus obtained their kappa. The Romans had no need for this letter at first, as C furnished the same sound. When they did accept it, they made no change. L. The ox goad or whiplash, lamed, gave rise to the next letter. Herding oxen and sheep was the important occupation of the slaves of the Phoenicians, and hence the last, an object so unfamiliar to us, was easily recognized by them. The Greeks again added an A and call it lambda, and made it in the form of an inverted V. The Romans, strangely, adhered more closely to the original form than did the Greeks. M and N. The Phoenicians were lovers of the sea, and from this source two letters were derived, M and N. They explored not only all the Mediterranean shore at an early date, but they also sailed boldly through the gates of Gibraltar 
and beyond the world, where they found Britain. They were the first navigators that sailed by night, and it is said they discovered the North Star. Therefore it is not surprising that water, Mame, is the source of M, and that fish, Noon, the source of N. The letter M has changed but little in form. It is the Greek letter Mu, and the Roman M. The head of the fish, from which the letter N is pictured, was simplified even more than the head of the ox, in A. It no doubt represents the fisherman's viewpoint, not a swimming fish, but a suspended one. The Greeks reversed the stroke and called it Nu, and the Romans did not change its form, but called it N. O. Oh. In Phoenicia, as in Egypt, China, and Mexico, the I is one of the commonest elements found in the writing. It was called Ayan. The Greeks used it for two sounds, now designated by Omicron, little O, and Omega, great O. The letter which, strangely, was placed at the end of the Greek alphabet. We find it in the Bible. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. How many today would think of using the alphabet for such an important illustration? It is easy to trace the Roman O from its Greek parent, Omicron. P. Many letter pictures run in pairs, finger and hand, water and fish, and now, after I, we find mouth, pi, which represents the lower lip. The Greeks made little change in the name or shape at first, but later they introduced the angles and made the downward strokes equal. The Romans formed the letter by continuing the curve farther than the Phoenicians and called it pe. Q and R. Now we come to Q and R, the letters which were mentioned above as those probably coming from the head. Whether Q, Kopf, was derived from the picture of the back view of the head and neck, or whether it represents a knot which, no doubt, was as important to navigators then as it is now, is a mooted question. The Q sound is guttural, and the tail of the letter is supposed to indicate the throat sound. The Greeks soon discarded copa, as it was called, and the Romans went back to the original source of their Q-Co. The back view of the head is the unusual one, for as we look at the drawing of the early races, or memory pictures, or the delineations of a child of seven or eight, we find that there are almost without exception profile pictures. The Phoenician resh represents the profile and shows very little resemblance to a human being, although at first the features may have been more clearly indicated. The Greeks, as was to be expected, turned the letter around and later, oddly enough, introduced a curve making it exactly like the Roman letter P. The extra stroke, which we find in the Roman letter, was no doubt due to the carelessness in copying. They pronounced it er. S. There is a common legend explaining S, the letter with the hissing sound. Because of its curved shape and its hissing sound, many people believe it was derived from a snake. Its real history is easily followed from Phoenician shin or sin, meaning teeth, to the present day. Its form closely resembles our W. The Greeks made a perpendicular for their sigma, and the Romans simplified and curved it, giving S.
T. Our 20th letter, T, is particularly interesting because it is derived from Tav, a mark or cross made by people who could not write, and no doubt their signature frequently resembled it. We must not forget that even Charlemagne and other kings of the Middle Ages had to make their mark or trace their initials through stencil plates. The only change of Tav to Greek Tau and Roman Te was the raising of the crossbar. U-V-Y The letters U, V, and Y were all taken from the letter Upsilon, and it may have been derived from the queer Hebrew form of Ayin, which closely resembles Y. The letters U and V were interchangeable. Upsilon, known as the Samian letter, was used by Pythagoras as an emblem to represent the parting of the ways, the young man making a choice in life. W. Our Anglo-Saxon forefathers contributed two letters, W, when, and another often confused with Y, called thorn. These were introduced during the 13th century. The French always called the former letter W, and in English it may be said to represent W, as its name indicates. The letter thorn had the value of the digraph TH and YE in Old English, should be pronounced the, like the definite article. X and Z. Although we have no direct need for the letter X, for Z can be substituted for it when it is used as an initial letter, and KS when it is used elsewhere, it has remained in the alphabet since its frequent use by the Greeks. It came from the Roman X, which may have been derived from the Greek Kis. The latter resembles the Phoenician character smush, meaning a post or support. The dagger, zayin, from which we obtain our z, must have been important in the daily lives of the Greeks, Hebrews, and Phoenicians, for it occupies a sixth place, zeta, and the seventh in the later alphabets. The Romans did not change its name or shape, but although there has been little change in two thousand years, we see little resemblance to the short sword in the letter the Romans gave us. Many slight changes that have occurred in the formation of the letters of the alphabet may be accounted for. At first, the Greeks wrote from left to right in one line, and from right to left on the next line, a mode of writing which has been termed bostrophodon because it runs as an ox plow does in a field, up one furrow and down another. It is due to this fact that many letters were reversed from the original prototypes. It is interesting to note that recently books for the blind have been embossed in this manner. The small letters of the alphabet, sometimes called lowercase letters because printers kept them in a case below the capitals, or minuscule letters, in contrast with majuscule or capital letters, illustrate further changes due to rapid writing of capitals in a cursive or running hand. The few characters selected by the Phoenicians, the great traders, artificers, and farmers of the ancient world, not only influenced Greek literature and life, Roman and modern nations in Europe, but also spread eastward to the very walls of China. The Hebrews copied them as a whole and retained the original names with only slight variations. They did change the shapes because a different writing instrument was employed. According to a legend, Jehovah gave the letters to Moses, 
Hence, all the left curves in Hebrew letter form turn upward as symbols of a finger pointing heavenward. The Phoenician alphabet is also the parent of Arabic, Indian, Javanese, Korean, Tibetan, Coptic syllabaries, and alphabets. No small country ever gave such a great gift to humanity. No large country could have given a greater gift. End of the Story of the Alphabet by Otto F. Agee